Is this fucking thing on? Hello? Hey, how goes it? Ken Bozak here to talk about Bitcoin and Bitcoin accessories. And today I'm with my bro, bro, Jared Butsby. How goes it? It's going great. It's a beautiful day in Kentucky, man. And yeah, lots of green trees. Fuck, man. I feel, right. like, I feel like weather like that demands a cookout. Is like somebody barbecuing right next to you? Because I feel like they There's are. There's not, but there should be. <sighs> Party there fail. Needs be, there needs to be beer. There needs to be brats. There needs to be barbecue. Facts. All facts, dude. You know what? If you build it, they will come. That that is probably true. <laughs> so uh, yeah, give just give the give everybody a vibe, man. Give me a vibe. Like, who are you? What do you do? How did you get into crypto and stuff like that? All right, my name is Jared. I've I got into crypto uh, mid twenty seventeen. Kind of get got in on the FOMO and fell in love with the technology. So, uh. You know, kind of maybe started with the wrong reasons and ended up better with better reasons. Yeah, most so, people do come for the Lambo and stay for the freedom. Exactly. It's kind of like, at the end of the day, I'd crash the Lambo anyway, so what's it matter? <laughs> right, right, right on. If you learn how to build a Lambo rather than how to buy a Lambo, you're in a lot better position. Exactly. Um, let's see. So I started, so that's how I got, I kind of got into it then and, just started learning everything I could because the more I learned, I was like, wow, like it's open. Anyone can get into it. You know, no one can tell you you can't buy. No one can tell you you can't use Bitcoin. Well, they can, but you they know? can't force you to not, right? We've well, seen that, I, especially with like India, Venezuela, these countries where like Bitcoin is bad and people are just like, eh, stop me. Exactly. Exactly. It's open. You know, it's open. So. They can't shut it down. Yeah, they can try to get the. It's gonna be like trying to ban. Oh, your audio cut out. Can you hear me? There we go. Yeah, yeah. Now you're back. Sorry, guys. Um, yeah, it's like the war on drugs. You yep, know exactly. You can't, you can't stop it. You know, and the more and the more like you try to ban Bitcoin, the more people just feel bad for people who have Bitcoin. It, it kind of goes against, you know, it kind of goes against yep. you. you well, know? we've seen the drug market be self-regulated better than governance has regulated the drug market. Somebody's out there selling bad drugs. Other drug dealers are going to shut that shit down. And uh, you see it, you know, it takes paperwork. It takes subpoenas and warrants. And yeah, well, if you're selling bad drugs in a drug dealer's drug spot, he's going to shut you down that day. Like it's self-regulated. And that happens in crypto all the time. We don't need governance when we have self-regulations. You see a scam pop up, the community shuts that shit down. We don't need to wait for warrants and paperwork, the IRS, the F. We don't need any of them. I'll tell you a funny story about a scammer. Uh so in my group, there's a scammer going around impersonating our CEO, and he messages me. And I'm like, dude, I know you're not the CEO. I personally know the CEO. Like, I see him on a weekly basis at least. You know, That's like, funny. we've had coffee. To, we, we get coffee together, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I'm like, oh, it, you know, our CEO's name is Andrew Prell. It's like, and I was like, I'm going to just screw with this guy because it's just going to be funny. You know, I was just like, oh, I'll give anything for you, Andrew. I'll give you all the Bitcoin you need. <laughs> He's like, I need, point th I need point three. I thought you needed one Bitcoin. Why don't I just send you one? You know, I <laughs> that's funny, dude. Yeah, they must have had that scammer on the edge of their seat. And it's been the season for that. My buddy, my bro, bro, Ben Perrin, BTC Sessions, he scammed the scammer on Instagram because of doctoring transaction hash. I thought that was genius. So if you guys do get a scammer reaching out to you, yeah, have fun with it. Have, have all the fun with it because these assholes deserve to have their time wasted, be trolled and scammed back in return if possible. And you know what, though? The more we see these scammers, I see more price movement upwards, you know? And it's, it's sort of like the uh, the byproduct of a healthy asset, a healthy ecosystem is uh, we get these parasites that want to leech off of us, right? And the more healthy we are doing, the more parasites we, uh, we attract. So we're going to see more and more scams, but that isn't necessarily a bad thing. It means it's probably worthwhile now to get back into scamming. It, it wasn't for a good market, right? A good market winter. We had a year off. No scams, because it wasn't worth it. 
that's a good point. You know, I, I didn't think of it that way, but yeah, it makes sense. Like if the if the crypto is doing good, then it's a great time to steal. You know, you yeah. want to steal it. You know? Hey, we've been seeing a lot of phishing things pop up recently again with these whole uh, email phishing. You know, people logging into multiple websites with the same email and password as they do with their exchanges. Even Binance has had issues with uh, passports and 2FA KYC information being leaked, and they've had API hacks twice in you know in, in just a couple months. Where uh, I think it was like. Uh, 1400 Bitcoin were stolen uh, each time. So, you know, just be careful, guys. I can't stress it enough, especially when the market starts to do very well. Uh, you know, you can't be paranoid enough. Go get one of those uh, John McAfee tinfoil hats and put that shit right on. <laughs> <laughs> and never leave your crypto on exchange long term. An hour, two, whatever your sell order time is, your stop loss is getting that Bitcoin off the exchange. That's what your real stop loss is. So uh, what projects are you uh, involved in working with? You mentioned your CEO, and I just wanted to dive into that real quick and see like yeah. why this guy was impersonating your CEO. What was the angle where he's coming from? Oh, he was just the guy. The the person there was just like, I need Bitcoin now. Help me! I need to close a deal. So send me Bitcoin. <laughs> That's know? exactly how how CEOs act when they need to close a deal. Yep, sounds yeah. legit. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was so he was very legit. I was just like, yeah. I ended up sending him a picture of me giving him the middle finger, just my hand, not oh, my face. Oh, the the classic Roger Ver. <laughs> yeah. That's you know, awesome. I said, I'll send you something. Let me send it to you right now. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, here, I'll send you the hash. So what's the company? What do you do? Yeah. So the so the company this one the company's called Convergence because the idea is um, multiple technologies are gonna converge to make a new way of doing the internet, a new way of doing video games. You know, so it's like blockchain meets virtual reality, meets augmented reality. And it's all going to go into one spot instead of be separate from each other. Hence but, convergence. Got it. Hence convergence. Um, what we're building is called Silicon Nexus. The big goal, I always start with the big goal and then I go small. Um, Silicon Nexus. I like the sound of it, though. Thank you. The big goal is to make the Oasis from Ready Player One. That's the big goal. Okay. Now. I say that's the big goal because, I mean, that's not going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. We, need, we <laughs> might know? need quantum computing to pull that shit off. I mean, it's not going to happen tomorrow, you know. You know what's crazy? We have a lot of what's needed for it, though. Like, you look at these virtual reality headsets. They're pretty good. Oh, they're good. You know? For sure. I had the PS4 VR headset, and it's so immersive. You can get, like vertigo you can get nauseous you know you, you you start to physically feel shit when you bump into something you're like hitting a car you're like oh, oh that's not even real like it is very immersive i love beat saber man um <sighs> beat saber that shit's so hard dude shout out to crypto brecky because brecky is a beat saber god i don't know why he doesn't stream more but i it's inspiring to watch crypto brecky just look like a candy raver killing it <laughs> Yeah, I want to see someone who, like, then adds dance moves into it. <laughs> DDR Beat Saber. Bro, that's next level. That's a whole new... That, that's like, yo, let me plug in the PlayStation, let me plug in the Xbox, and we're going to play DDR on top of Beat Saber. I want to see that happen now, too. <laughs> so, uh, the Sil so, yeah, Silicon Nexus, the goal is... the And the first goal is to make what we call cross reality. Have you ever heard of cross reality? Like uh, augmented reality, like Pokemon Go? No, it's basically what we mean is, let's say, I'm trying to think of a game. Let's say Beat, nah, I can't use Beat Saber as an example. The new Doom game comes out. Oh, I got, the, out. I got a Doom VR game, which is pretty cool. But okay, the new one, I've seen that and it's badass. Okay, now let's say they make it for VR and they make it for PC. And they make it for mobile. Okay, let's say they did that. Imagine if you could play, I could be in VR and you're on your phone and we could play against each other at the same time, anyways. Huh. Wouldn't that, would that be a conflict of, uh, 
of experience, right? Like a lot of these cross-platform games with like Fortnite kind of really leading the way in cross-platform, we see an issue where PC gamers can crush console gamers because of the lack of ping, because you have your whole hand on the mouse as you're aiming instead of just a thumb. Would it be a conflict of experience to do so much immersion in one? Well, there's different ways to deal with that. So let me give an example, for instance. Let's say we have a Star Wars game, okay? And we have this real cool version of it in Disney World. Let's, I'm just making all this up. You know, this is all hypothetical right now. No, no, guys, this and is all real. He's, he's lying. It's real. <laughs> <laughs> you can do this today. <laughs> Let's say, you know, they put an X-Wing video game in the new Disney Star Wars park, Okay. And it's badass, right? Well, maybe you could get in on it with your mobile phone, but you play as R2-D2 fixing the X-Wing. You that know? Be, so That would be interesting. Have, yeah, so you could have, like, different things even made for what the experience is, but everyone's in on the same game at the same time. So, so there's different... different uh sort of different gameplay roles to be played depending on how you're engaging in the ecosystem. So I, I see what you're saying. You could be more of a supportive role mobile since you can't be a, uh, you know, an aggressive gamer with like your phone, but you could be supporting, you could be doing, you know, power ups or, you know, map move. I, I dig it. I totally see the point in that. Yeah. And so, you know, you get to play no matter what, even if it's a different role. And, and some things, by the way, you might not have to do that so much. For instance, you've probably noticed with the blockchain video games, the card games are very popular, like Gods Unchained or um, or Mytherium. Steam you know? Monsters, all of them. Yeah, they're really picking up a lot of steam. Yeah, <laughs> Steam Monsters, Steam. <laughs> Funny. I, I like it. <laughs> So, hey, how like, goes it, I, Google user, TC Dixon? Appreciate you guys in the chat. Uh, yeah, sorry to interrupt. What were you saying? Oh, so I was just saying I could picture, though, with these um, card games, what if you had VR headset for the card games and it makes it look like you're inside, like, a card competition, you know? and oh, literally like, like Yu-Gi-Oh style. Yes. That would be cool. Okay. Uh, sign me up. Okay, and then, but because it's cross reality, you could also just play it on your. <laughs> Sorry, that cracked me up. Dude, I'm such a card nerd, dude. I have you. I have like Pokemon cards. I have Magic cards. I have Gods and Chains, Steam Monsters, My Theorem. Like, I, I'm such. I'm Ether such Legend? a card nerd. Ether Legends yet? I think I have one. Uh, that's the Wizard ones, right? The. I think I have one that looks like a wizard. Yeah, look. Well, he is a Vitalik one. He made a card dedicated to Vitalik, and he's trying to get Vitalik to take the card just to get some uh, some press. Yeah, he we don't it. know Vitalik's public Ethereum address. He's never really uh, publicized his uh, his wallets or anything for receiving donations. So it's really hard to get him to just here take this. Yeah. Oh, we just want him to say like on a tweet, "I saw the card and I want it," or some. I don't know. You know, he probably won't do it. Now. No, he, I've talked to Vitalik now three times and he is so not interested in like the gaming aspect of Ethereum's blockchain. He's, he, he, I, he believes it's an underutilization. It's like taking the internet and all you have now is, you know, solitaire multiplayer. You know, he's like, we're, there's a lot more Ethereum can do than just these games. And I'm just like, yeah, but it's still proof of concept, bro. Like, these are proof of concept smart contracts. And it's what will lead to inspiring that next gen use case. But that's how I see these things anyway. I see them all as like fucking proofs of straight up concept. I agree. Like, and even like NFTs, like people are seeing it as like uh, seeing the, the crypto kitties and going, what a joke. But I'm like, dude. That NFT could represent like um, a deed to your house down the road, you know, or a, or a deed, you know, all sorts of stuff. So, so, yeah, I don't, I, you know, it's I, I like what you're saying, proof of concept. Oh, the cards. Speaking of the cards, what I was gonna say is, imagine you have the VR where it looks like you're really at a card competition. You can see your hands holding your VR, your virtual reality cards, and then, but then when you but then I get on with my mobile phone and I can still play against you 
I just have a stripped down version of it. But we're still playing cards. Yeah, it's just a different user experience. The UI is just a little bit different for the device you're engaging with. And I, I feel like people do desire more cross-platform gaming, especially from things like Fortnite. Uh, people are kind of like pushing on that for Apex Legends, even though I'm not a big fan of the cross-platform for competitive gaming. But for casual gaming, it is so important to have cross-platform. So you can really build a community because somebody might only have an Xbox, somebody might only have a PlayStation, and now your friends can't even engage with each other in the games that they have. And it, it actually hurts the game more than it hurts the end user. But it also does hurt the end user as well. So I... I see this importance really picking up, especially with things like VR, AR, and things like that. I mean, that's the next the next movement for video games. Hey, thanks for the super chat. Much appreciated. Just learned crypto. Thanks, man. Look at the little shark dance on the screen. <laughs> I'm dancing like the shark. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think uh, that's like Ellen DeGeneres or somebody did the shark dance, right? I can't remember where that came from. Somebody I don't was know in a shark suit. It was like a Miley Cyrus video. I don't remember where somebody in the chat remind me where the fuck did that dancing shark come from? Because like it reminds me of like Ally McBeal with the dancing baby. <laughs> I'm old. So <laughs> so what else are you uh, what else are you uh, interested in right now in this space besides like, you know, the gaming side? Do you see anything else really uh, contributing like where we see a lot of these industries start to blossom, you can see things that, you know, is synergetic or, you know, um, contribute, it, it can contribute to what you're doing. So do you see any other industries doing anything that the gaming industry can learn from or take pieces of that are utilizing blockchain right now? Well, um, I, so there's a project I like, and I, it's not my project I'm working on, but I kind of help them out from time to time. It's called Divi Project. Um, if you've heard of Divi, D-I-V-I. I feel like I have. Their logo's red, right? Yes, it's red. It's I a met red, them, it's yeah. Red. I met them in Toronto at Futurist last year, and I think I met them in Calgary. I met them in Canada a few times, I feel like. Divi Nick, Project. Nick is, Nick is one of the big guys on the project. Nick, I'm trying to remember how to say his last name, Saparino. I think I've only read it. I don't yeah, know if yeah, I've ever... yeah. Then I definitely know Divi Project, for sure. I know Nick. I follow him on Twitter, yeah. So I like the fact they're all about making good UX and making crypto easy to use. And to me, I think that applies to video games. That applies to anything. In this Wallets, industry. exchanges. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's really important. And it, it's a lot of projects suffer that when it comes to uh, starting up and becoming a project is – it's hard to get a good UX and a UI and, and the balance of the two is fucking like that fever dream, right? It is. It's really hard. Uh, you know, but at the end of the day, crypto's not going to happen if grandma can't use it. That's true. Facts. I mean, I mean, you're right. You know, grandma has to be able to send her Bitcoin to, you know, to buy her gold bracelet and her grandma style wallpaper. Yeah. yeah, and we've had to do this in the past where we see technology dumbed down for the user experience. You know, we have to dumb it down and limit the engagement. Like, if you look at the iPhone as compared to an Android, it's very limited to what you can do. You just got the ability to give yourself a fucking wallpaper. You just got the ability to give yourself a third-party keyboard. They locked down the UX because they didn't want you to fuck that up on your own. Uh, they had to dumb down the amount of uh, engaging you can do. But on Android, you can go right into the uh, bootloader. You can go right into the developer options. You could tweak whatever you want. And you can kind of screw up the experience. And that's what we've seen happen. A lot of people just genuinely don't know what they like. They think they do. Yeah. And then they realize the font that they picked for their phone is too hard to read. Well, it's not the font the phone gave you. You fucked this up. And projects that are out there that make these you know, platforms where – Grandma can't use it. Well, even the most, you know, on average, there's like 13, 14 million people right now in Bitcoin. The average Bitcoiner isn't super tech savvy. You know, they're just speculators. You know, they're, they're not really, they don't even really understand the word blockchain. They just, they know they hold some keys. So if you can't make it easy, like you said, you're going to limit yourself, right? And I want to shout out, I just learned crypto. I see you in the chat. Yeah, he's the guy to send grandmas to. Just learned crypto. He'll have grandma Bitcoining in a week, tops. 
I mean, and that's, I mean, that to me is what's key is making it so grandma can do it, you know, making it so the kids can do it. And that's what I see, you know, with the video game, blockchain video games need to do. That's everyone, you know, and I just appreciate Dippy working so hard on the UX side of things. Yep, and that's you're right. And a lot of a lot of projects try to do things as an umbrella where everything's in house. They don't want to outsource any tasks or any any obligations, any of their goals, and it really hurts them when it comes to their roadmap. We've seen roadmaps just come to a screeching halt because of funding, because they tried to do everything in house and they they couldn't like you know uh, diversify their time right, and things don't really get done appropriately. And I like Divi Project a lot. I've seen them work with other companies, and I think uh, even Hosha is another important one where they audit smart contracts right like so if you're building a game and you're building this decentralized environment this DAO gaming experience you need to have those contracts audited because even today if I go and play Apex Legends they have made over a hundred million dollars the game still has glitches. I can still cheat. I can still hack the game and get away with things other people can't. And if you have a decentralized version of this, it could mean uh, a lot of money for people because of these in-game assets, these tokenized assets that could be stolen, glitched in, cheated, whatever. So uh, it's important to really have these 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 codes audited and these experiences really designed third party so you're not overwhelmed. I like to always emphasize we're, th we're still at the beginning of this revolution. I mean, people are like, Bitcoin's been around for 10 years, but no one knew about it until, what, what 2016? At the er I mean, right. I mean, I it didn't come on my radar until 2016. I saw some random art technology article come up on my Flipboard app on my phone, you know? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> That's I one mean, way to get in. Yeah, I, I got in around 2016, early to 2016, too. So I, I just don't think, people, you know, so it's like no one knew. So it was just, I don't know, like we, we have a long way to go to get that infrastructure built. There's just so much infrastructure to be built. Yeah, Bitcoin's so. ready. Bitcoin is ready. Bitcoin is, it's ready. It's just everything else isn't ready for Bitcoin yet, right? Like it just got on their radar. Bitcoin has been around for a decade. That's great. But it hasn't been on anybody's peripheral for a decade. They haven't been able to perceive how to incorporate the technology or how to utilize it. And that's where we come up with these companies like Kodak coming out with an ICO. Kick coming out with their own shitcoin. Fucking Long Island Ice-T changing their corporation's name on the stock market to Long Blockchain Ice-T. They don't know how to utilize this yet. They're very underutilizing it. But, you know, it will take probably another 10 years to see it, you know, easily incorporated into society and into the mainstream uh, it took the internet much longer. I mean, Congress only as far as a year ago started using digital documentation. It's going to take a while to see, you know, uh, corporations and then uh, see governments incorporate this as well. It's, it's, it's a long road to go down, but Bitcoin is, it's very scarce in resource. And as it takes these motherfuckers more time to figure out what to do with it, we just accumulate it and we'll sell it back to them later. We'll, we'll, we'll be the ones providing it to these co companies and governments because the miners aren't going to want to let it go to them. And that's where it's really going to come down to. The speculators, the hodlers, and the miners. Damn straight. <laughs> Dude, I, you, know, you know how you'll know when we have mass adoption? When your landlord accepts Bitcoin from you, you don't have to facts. write him a check. Facts. Facts. You wouldn't even have to cash or sell out your Bitcoin. You just use it. You're right. That's that's the mass adoption point where it's preferred, right? Like, hey, if you pay your rent in Bitcoin, we'll give you 10% off. If you wanted to use cash or check, it may be a little bit more because it costs money to cash it. It costs money to clear it and I have to wait three to five days to get the money you gave us. And I know everybody's talking about the, the Federal Reserve coming out with the new uh, money remittance. It's called, uh, instead of Fed Wire, which is what they have now, uh, that's where it takes the three to five days and all that bullshit. Fed Now is going to be instant. So if you do get your check you know, in US dollar or whatever fiat, you get your money instantly. But this isn't for another four to five years from now. Bitcoin's already doing this. By the time they realize that they're spending money on building this Fed Now thing, that's not what it, not what they're going to intend. It's, it will have to be. You're gonna have to choose to use this, right? They had a monopoly forever. 
Now you're going to have a choice. And we have four years to teach people how to use Bitcoin before they have to choose between Bitcoin and FedNow. And Bitcoin, I believe, will win. People will choose out of and people have opted out of taxation and government oversights of money and funding. And this is the digital equivalent of the Boston Tea Party. Take all your fiat and throw it into the Bitcoin river of blockchain that and, and you know, burn it because, you know, it, that's a, that to me is a political statement whenever I buy Bitcoin. Well. I mean, also, just like the, you know, they're hoping to have it out in four years. Let's just be honest. I know one thing about developing tech. It never takes the time frame you say it's going to take. It always takes longer. Facts. The only person I know of who's hit their all their deadlines right on time was um, Crypto Beatles with Monarch. <laughs> When he was, I remember that interview you had with him. He's like, "Yep, hit all the deadlines early." Yeah, I'm like, early. I'm like, "What the fuck, man?" <laughs> I was like, "How am I supposed to do announcements if you're doing everything so fast?" But you get to be fair. What Robert Beatles is doing with Monarch is a lot of that building a bigger team. He has built such a big team with so many different companies from total to um uh, celsius network i mean dude that is just amazing like to see so much synergy in one little ecosystem that's and again that's why i think he has so much successes it's not under one umbrella they're not stretching their developer pool thin trying to solve all the problems they delegate these very carefully yeah no i mean i think no beatles is awesome i i yeah. like watching his videos and that's actually how I learned about you. I think you interviewed him or he interviewed you. I don't remember what We've done was. both. <laughs> We've done both. Yeah, dude, That's I love hanging out with him and his son, dude. Like, I've, I got to hang out with those guys at so many conferences. I feel like they're, like, my cousins. They're some, like, distant family at this point. Like, every time I see them, it's just, like, good vibes, good times, and good energy. Here's a question. Speaking of conferences, are you th thinking about going to Chainwise in Cincinnati? Chase and Appleton's putting it on? Uh, uh, if I think I might have to because Jason has invited me before he even like announced it and I told him I'd be there but my plan this year was to only go to uh, Futurist and World CryptoCon but chain Chainwise is on my I should do list <laughs> I should if you're there we'll I'm gonna shake your hand oh you're gonna uh, be there I mean, Louisville and, oh yeah well Louisville and Cincinnati are so close to each other okay. it's just an hour and a half drive so damn see now i have one more reason i should be there yeah you will feel very guilty if you don't go you will feel <laughs> very guilty. you see the peer pressure i'm getting this is live right now bro <laughs> everybody in chat please put on more peer pressure more peer pressure in chat now please <laughs> peer pressure in the chat let's go see if uh <laughs> see if you guys anybody else going to chain wise because uh, Jason Appleton is a, a crypto crow is a very interesting dude, man. And, uh, he's, he, he's such a sweetheart for being such a grizzly bear looking motherfucker. It's so weird. Like hanging out with the guy, he's so cuddly and, and just nice. And then you look at him, you're like, I just, I hope somebody pisses this guy off. I have to see this, but he just never gets pissed off. He's so passionate when he speaks though, man. He gets so into it. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. Well, he, he gives a shit, man, in the shows, you know? He gives a shit. And he, he, came, he came from, you know, a, a different uh, financial perspective, and he, he now feels woke. And when I, I, this happens to all of us. Whenever anything feels like it, it has changed your perspective of reality itself, the things that are and are not possible, when you see – the Wrights brothers flying in a fucking airplane for the first time. That changes your life. Your reality has now been changed. What is and isn't possible now doesn't make sense. And you just want to tell people, look, people can fly. Like, look at this blockchain technology, bro. We can do anything. And, it, you know, we just get up on our soapboxes and preach. And that's kind of what, you know, every day inspires me and motivates me is like, this space is just so limitless. We have the ability to literally change the world in a way that wasn't conceivable. Wasn't You could never have perceived this. I mean, if you look at Star Trek and fucking Star Wars and all these futuristic things, they've never saw any type of a technology like social social media coming. They never saw any technology like this, you know, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin thing coming. They just There's so many things that people couldn't even have predicted even with like science fiction involved and here we are doing it in, in real life it's
dude, it's just energizing, right? Like when you wake up and you see that, you know, um, Bitcoin has implemented uh, lightning and you're just like, whoa, like I didn't even think it was possible to send a penny in Bitcoin, but here I am. I can send you a sat. No, it's no. I mean, what's so cool is anything that humans keep track of can be done with blockchain technology. That's how I put it. Anything we want to keep track of. And now we can do smart contracts to make it do backflips. Yep, yep. I can't wait for my smartwatch to take money instantly off of my insurance as I work out at the gym. That's the kind of shit I'm looking forward to, right? Like, I want to see the uh, my Google Maps give me a shitcoin because I'm providing them with data of traffic flow. I want to be reimbursed for the contributions I give these corporations when I interact with the application. And we're not seeing that in the, in the traditional finance world because it's not possible for microtransactions. Now, we got things like basic attention tokens and BitTube that pays me just to block ads. Like, there's going to be – the word passive income is just going to be income. People are passively going to be earning these assets because of the contributions they provide to the platform. You Facebook, you'll probably get Facebook shitcoin. If you use Twitter, you'll probably get a Twitter shitcoin. But either way, you'll be able to redeem those shitcoins for fucking Big Macs or you know your Netflix bill. Like That's how Atomic Swaps will interact with this marketplace when it moves forward. And we don't have these things yet, but wait for Rootstock to really implement what they've been working on. I think people struggle less financially too because of it because you'll be paid to do things you've been doing anyways. Facts. So I think that'll be a big deal for people. Yep. If you're so, uh, and th- imagine kids more. too, man. Like a lot of these kids, my nephew included, they play these games like Pokemon and shit like that online, but they're not digital assets, not similar to like Steam Monsters or Mytherium or Gods Unchained, where if kids are starting to play these games, this is college fund level shit we're talking about. Very similar to when I started playing Pokemon when I was 10 years old with the physical cards. If I still had that collection, I'd have a Lambo. That's that's a fact. <laughs> Let me tell you, so I got to tell you something our project's working on. First, the first step of the project, we're making what's called the Nexus Marketplace for trading uh, NFTs. Now, I know you're going to first say, well, we have we already have OpenSea. I got to tell you what we can do with this thing, what we're working on. I want to also tell you we're an alpha version right now. Okay. Um, if you want me to at some point, I'll share you the alpha version link so you can take a look at it. No, it's alpha. You already know what that means with alpha. So. Yeah, yeah, no, that's exciting, man. Congrats. Thank you. I have have one question, though. I did want to pop up just to interrupt. I hope I don't derail your thought, but you said Nexus Marketplace. We already have Nexus Earth, and Nexus has a little marketplace. So I'm like, how does the branding, you think, affect with things like, you know, other blockchain companies having the name Nexus in it? Yeah. um, We have the way our token, our symbol looks and everything looks very different. We do a lot of 3D type stuff. Um, so, you know, our token itself is called the droid. Okay. So, you know, so the market, you know, it, the Nexus is just where you play essentially and trade and things like that. So I think there won't be too much of a problem with that. All right. No, totally gotcha. So basically, well, with our, our platform, we'll have peer to peer trading so if you want to swap a crypto kitty for a crypto kitty with me or whatever, you can do that. that and it would be, be cool. like, yeah, um, you'll be able to auction just like OpenSea. It'll have a cart option. So it's not an option. It's how you buy. So you'll be able to buy multiple NFTs at a time. Um, and you'll, you'll be able to buy directly from us as well as auction. And then the biggest thing that I want to emphasize is we're going to have kiosks in video game arcades, like your local video game arcade, like a Dave and Buster's. I'm saying like a Dave and Buster's. I'm not saying we have a deal with them yet. Uh, <laughs> but so, no, that's fucking cool, actually. Like to bring that into a physical gaming experience, that's really cool. So what you'll be able to do, like say you play whack-a-mole and win a bunch of tickets at whack-a-mole because you're just a whack-a-mole beast. I know you. You're a whack-a-mole beast. 
Uh, <laughs> your Beat Saber. You're, you're going to do it like Beat Saber, man. Um, <laughs> I'll bring nunchucks and Bruce Lee the moles. Oh, yeah. Those wha- I mean, those moles will be – they'll have to replace the moles by the time you're done. So what do I do with these tickets? So you could go take those tickets. <clears throat> take those tickets and turn those into either our droid tokens or just get NFTs. I had a dream about a crypto carnival where people could win crypto kitties instead of stuffed animals. And dude, that's yeah, the Chuck E. Cheese of the future right there. Kids are going to want these digital assets more so than a physical stuffed teddy bear because they're engaging with the digital world more than the real world as, you know, we see people even, you know, spend more time on their smartphones and tablets than they do outside like my man over here is. You know, he's enjoying the fresh air like the one percenters. <laughs> so, I mean, and that's so that's what we think. We think the kids will pass up the candy and the plush toys, you know, and the the vampire teeth. <laughs> oh for... man, no, the vampire teeth were so the best. <laughs> You see every five-year-old drooling with pizza stuck in them because they didn't want to take it out to eat. Oh, oh, that alone makes me want to give the kid an NFT. (laughs) Right, right. No, and yeah, that makes sense. So I I could see this working out actually because like, you know, with the gaming ecosystems that are coming out, you know, people are going to want to rather have, say, a a Pokeball for Pokemon Go rather than a plushie toy, right? And it, that's the desired, you know, and that's going to be where I think market demand and uh, customer satisfaction will really decide where these companies like Dave and & Buster's and Chuck E. Cheese go. Because if somebody were to pop up and start to compete in a new era kind of way, they would lose their monopoly now. And that's what they've really designed. They've designed this entertainment monopoly for children of how the experience should be instead of how the experience is desired from the the, the customers really yeah and, and so here's the other biggie this will be great what what we're doing with this is we're also using this as a way for video game developers to get players so if you're like a little um indie developer you make nfts you give them to us we sell them at the arcades and once people have those nfts they're going to want to play the game facts and that's that's the whole idea of it is is you give us nfts we put you on our marketplace in the next you know in our uh in our prize nexus which we is what we call it at the arcades and kids win your nfts and play your game and then Hopefully you sell more NFTs to them later. Yep, We're seeing this already being sort of like a, a stepping stone with the free-to-play game design where they used to sell you a game for 60 bucks and that was it. Here's the game for free and if you want visual aesthetics or add-ons, you can then pay for those. Well, how do you get the, the gamers to come in before they decide to play? Give them some of those assets, and now they have more interest. And we have the gamified experience, right? We have the monetized experience, but we don't have the incentivized experience, where if I put in all this time into a video game, and now I've decided to stop playing it, I can't really do anything with those assets. They're not really nope. you know tokenized. They're, they're centralized. They're, they're not something that can be really applied to an investment criteria. If you were playing a game, like Mytherium or or uh, what are some of the other ones like Coin Droids and um, what's the other one? Crap, I know I have it. Uh, why is it? Coin Artist. Coin Artist. She just made the damn game. I have a founder's key for it. Why can't I think of it? Oh well. There's a bunch of the games out there now though that you can play and if you decide to stop, you can sell those assets that you've acquired and get a decent amount of crypto for it. Or, tra- or with the nexus if you just want to play a new game you could just find someone and trade with them see that's not really possible so much with open sea so i love that user competing with that again i hate monopolies and we have rare bits we have open sea we have a couple nft marketplaces but they're still very beta very basic interactions you don't really feel like you have the same uh the same permissions or the same experience as, as, as an asset trader or an asset investor right like if I'm trading Bitcoin and Ethereum, I want that same experience, the buy order, the sell order. I want a multiple purchase book 
with NFTs as well. It's this. It's just the the interaction and the experience has been separated, and I've, I I'm excited to see that brought back into uh, uh, all in one. And I also I think there's gonna you know once we're up there's still gonna be plenty of room for OpenSea and other competitors. You know I'm not. Like, oh, we're going to crush everybody. <laughs> Amazon you know, did just, not come out of the gate saying eBay's going to die. <laughs> eBay die. And eBay's still here. Right. And Alibaba, Amazon, eBay, they all coexist. And we've seen newer things pop up that start to compete and they inspire change in those mammoths. Mama, mama, the big guys. That's the word I was looking for. You know, it inspires them and pressures them into evolving. Otherwise, you know, they get stagnant because they don't see they have to make the experience better for you. They see is where else are you going to go? Exactly. I mean, you know, so that's what we're hoping for is, you know, provide a new way to do the NFTs and make it so, you know, you could do more freedom how to buy them, how to sell them, trade them, and how to get them. So... I've, uh, I've thought about how gaming would have been if this type of technology would have been earlier. Like, if we would have had the, the you know, uh, SHA-256 type encryption uh, style blockchain technologies back when Mario Brothers was first being designed, the types of Easter eggs, the types of prizes and rewards that could have been hidden in the game that if you were the first person to find a warp zone maybe you got that nft for the warp zone and now you have a badge that says i found this before anybody else and i i used to play call of duty nazi zombies a lot and i used to find a lot of glitches and people would argue over who found the glitch first who publicized the glitch and exploit who found and you know, it becomes a bit of an arg argument of the badge of honor that you get to wear, but they could tokenize these things. Hey, you found an exploit in our game. Thanks for helping us patch it. Here goes a, a tokenized reward. Like, you know, and just like those little things that could have been implemented. Now I'm thinking, well, what are the things that they will implement? So with your perspective of where you're at in this space, like where do you see the possibilities of gaming and blockchain moving forward? Like the newer experiences that couldn't have been designed previously. Are there anything that excites you as a gamer and a designer of these uh, NFT like type micro marketplace? Okay, so let me give a few ideas I've had. Just personally, these are my own fever dreams. Oh, okay, fever dreams are my favorite because you know, give it a few years and Bitcoin cures that fever. Blockchain can cure a fever. So, for instance, Mario Maker, right? You make your own levels. What if you could make a level into an NFT, and then you can have people either pay you a little crypto to play the level, or you can sell people the level. Wow. Okay, you have me, because I've seen Mario Maker, and I'm like, I could make a good map, but I've never been incentivized to do it because the 10, 12 hours I put into it can't be monetized. You know, and you could just charge, make a really cool level, charge people, what, a, a nickel to play your level? And, right. or, and have access to it permanently, you know? People but have still, found out how to do this in Minecraft. I've watched a lot of PewDiePie recently, and he's been playing Minecraft, and people, they try to figure out how to do this with the resources in the game. This is a desired that people want to be uh, you know rewarded for their contributions. They desire the 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 payment of time spent, right? Like uh, if you play Minecraft, you can make your own little mini games and I, I watch Fortnite uh, speed runs and people make their own maps on Fortnite, but there's nothing they get out of it. It's just these companies keep taking from the users. They just, we don't want to design the next game. So here's Mario Maker. You build it. What the fuck right. kind of shit is that? Right. And I mean, now I, now I get it. Like, how do I put it? When I saw Mario Maker, I wanted to do it because I remember being a kid wanting to make my own levels for Mario Brothers. Like, that's a, I mean, you know, that's eight-year-old Jared's dream come true is making his own, own Mario Brother level. Without you having know? to learn any coding. <laughs> Without learning any code. Well, right. I mean, can you... Eight-year-old Jared make code? I don't. <laughs> I'm not that smart. I'll say I'm not gonna. I'm not a savant or anything like that. I'm. Just, I'm a dude. You know, I'm just a man. <laughs> so yeah, man, monetizing the Mario Maker worlds would be great. That's definitely a, a different perspective. You know, uh, I didn't actually think of that. Uh, I, there's so many things that can be done right now. It's just the the it de depends on the bandwidth of the companies and the potential rewards, right? Like if 
and this is why I think this is the opportunity for indie games right now. There has never been a better opportunity for independent game developers ever in the history of gaming than right fucking now. Because these big companies, they're like the blockbusters of streaming and, and entertainment. They don't have the bandwidth. They don't have the money. They don't have the people to really build what the independent developers have the time, the money, and the, the know-how to build. And this has been, you know, with what happened with like Netflix and Amazon doing streaming. So many independent filmmakers made a boom because of streaming. And look what happened with uh, even Paranormal Activity. That dude and Saul, the, between those two movies, I've never been more like inspired by a, a producer than ever because they spent less than $5,000, $10,000 on Saul 1 and less than $10,000 on Paranormal Activity. And they made multiple millions of dollars because of streaming. Who was the first one that did something like that? Wasn't it Blair Witch Project? Blair Witch was, uh, I think, one of the first independent films to get into theaters, like, as big as it did, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember uh, being a teenager seeing previews for that, you know, and it had that grainy look and everything, you know, and they kind of caught on to to a new new shift in the zeitgeist. I watch, I watch a lot of... Um these like looper type movies i think it's looper on youtube but they break down movies and i watched the blair witch get broken down and I, I it's been like 20 fucking years so spoiler alert but the theory is that they're they're hallucinating on mushrooms or some kind of fungus that they may have ingested or something and now the whole movie was then just tripping balls there was no witch. They're just fucked up and they're high. And I'm like, now that I think about it from that like perspective and kind of rewatch a couple of the scenes, you're just like, yeah, they're all just tripping balls. Like what? I never really thought of that. Again, I was like five when the movie came out. So yeah, I mean, dude, you know, I, I never even watched it. I just remember you never the priest Blair witch. Nah. That's like a rite of passage, man. Everybody has to survive that shitty movie. <laughs> That's what I thought. I thought it looked like crap. Oh, it did. It was. (laughs) Look, I was like, good for them. They made a they made a bunch of money off of a crap movie. Good for them. That was kind of my reaction to it. My favorite my favorite crap that made a lot of money is the pet rock. I remember being a kid and seeing it on fucking TV. Like you could buy it on TV. They had commercials for pet rocks, and I'm just like, I got a bunch of those outside. Like, why would I buy your rock? Uh, but they made a lot of fucking money. You know, that reminds me. So I have three cats at home. And my wife one day is like, I want to go to a cat cafe and see all the kittens. I'm like, our apartment is a cat cafe. Right, right. <laughs> but I know all these cats. They're old to me. I need to meet new cats. I need. <laughs> that was pretty much what it was. I know, right? That's girls, man. You know. Ah, that's funny. That's funny. I've never been to a cat cafe. Huh? I said I've never been to a cat cafe, but I've I've always wanted to go to one of those like themed cafes or like manga anime type restaurants or whatever. Would be dope. Yeah, they do them I, in Philadelphia a lot. I I finally cracked down and we went to a cat cafe, but I was like, we're not getting another cat. Did I don't you, care how. So here's my cat. first fear of the cat cafe. How much cat hair was in your food and your coffee and on the table? And oh, every- they separate the coffee shop from the cat room. Oh, perfect. Okay, that that's, that comforts me a little bit. Because that's the first thing I thought of is like, fucking cat hair, dude. It's like a plague. Now, it's going to probably be on your shirt. Like, if you have a, you go into that cat cafe wearing a sweater or something like that, <laughs> your hose. Do they give I'm, you a lint brush as a token of appreciation on your way out? <laughs> did it so now I, i'm gonna demand that if i ever roped into it again yeah dude they have like the sticky ones that are like eco-friendly so you don't have to like you know throw away the paper they have these like yellow sticky lint rollers now everything's eco-friendly yeah. man uh so let's see where can we go i want to talk about something different um so yeah where you're at right now what's the crypto scene like is there a meetup is there any crypto companies what's the uh the scene out where you're at in Louisville, Kentucky? Yeah, is, is Kentucky got like a crypto scene? Is there a Bitcoin meetup or anything? We have uh, what's called a group called Bitcoin Louisville. 
we meet at a pizza parlor about once a month and talk about Bitcoin. And then, um, and that's actually how I discovered Silicon, you know, the Silicon Nexus thing was CEO was at that Bitcoin meetup. Oh, I love I, when that happens. Yeah, that, it was really cool. That's how I met Andrew. Um, so, you know, and then we have actually Silicon Nexus has its own meetup for it kind of has a fan club, so to speak. And we meet at actually meet at the local Dave and Buster's at a little, uh, little uh, one of those party rooms. So, so I guess that's like an inspirational meeting place, right? Because I bet a lot of things just pop up from watching people engage with the environment and being in the environment that you're trying to change, right? Like it's yeah. sort of like a Trojan horse meetup. I like it. Yeah, exactly. And you know, we I don't know. It's just kind of all come together trying to make this project happen. You know, so there's you know, a volunteer aspect and a fan aspect to this. So to get to the project, uh, I guess to dive into it just a little bit here to wrap things up, like what were some of the biggest hurdles that you've had to overcome? How did you overcome them? And what are some of the challenges you see lying in your way? Okay. So, I mean, one hurdle has, you know, that I, I personally overcome is just getting game developers to get on with, you know, to say, yes, I want to partner with you, you know, and we made a video that showed the alpha software in action and that has sold that's sold it for you know that's gotten them willing to talk to us you know and that was it's something simple like okay here's a video watch it they watch it they go i'm interested we want to talk you know one reason i mentioned ether legends earlier is they're signed up with us for instance cool congrats so thank you um, we have another, I feel comfortable saying will be with us is crypto oink. They race pigs It's very Japanese, very Japanese looking. It's pretty awesome. I got to check that out. That sounds funny. <laughs> it's like Kentucky Derby, but pigs instead. <laughs> <laughs> My pig can beat your pig in a race. Uh, it's, it's so, if my pig loses, he's becoming pork roll real fucking quick. It's so cute. It's so cute. I mean, <laughs> I'm not making fun of them, you know, like it's, it's cute. We have a few others down, down the pike and I just don't feel comfortable making an announcement right now because paperwork hasn't been signed. You know, I feel like they might go, I don't want to count my, my chickens till they're hatched. You know, but we have some others, um, pretty big, um, some pretty good ones. So, so what are some of the challenges you you have at the moment, you know, that are uh, in your roadmap, like, uh, so to speak, like things that you have on your, uh, to-do list? You know, at the end of the day, the hardest challenge, I think this for any crypto project is just getting funding and getting the software developed. You know, I mean, it's. It's a challenge, you know, get rid of bugs, you know, make it look good, make sure it's secure, and then get the money to make sure the developers get paid so they could do what they do. So That's, what is in place for the funding? What opportunities do people have if they're seeking an opportunity to fund or invest in a project like this? So if you're outside of the USA, we are a U.S.-based company, but you know how the SEC is. Fuck the um, SEC. I, I'll just say you know how the SEC is. This is what I'm going to say about the SEC. SEC, if you're watching this, I want – and not just SEC, IRS with how they want to double tax crypto, all you different guys. You're going to drive the blockchain industry out of this country and drive most of the world's wealth to Singapore and Monaco if you're not very careful and don't get your head out of your ass. Oh, the the, the well, that wave has already started to leave the ocean, man. Like we're starting to see a, a drift of knowledge just leave the US and wealth following them. And India is doing the very similar shit. They're pushing out the the innovators and they have a majority of the developers in India and we have a majority of the companies, CEOs and corporations being developed here in the US that are leaving these countries to find salvation somewhere else and other countries are embracing the shit out of it. Like look what happened with uh, Binance when Jap Japan had an issue and kicked uh, Binance out of Japan. Multic said come on in with open arms and they have reaped the benefits from doing so.
Well, and like, I just want to say like the next Google, the next Amazon, the next eBay won't be American chain base and they won't be in the U S and Facts. guess what? SEC and IRS, you won't get to tax them because Facts. they're going to be in another country and you just killed the gold goose that laid the golden egg. Good job. Yep. And Good we're going to see a big boom of VPNs popping up for this, uh, because of this right like a lot of the vpns we see today are not true vpns they're not actually protecting you they're actually categorizing and 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 making an algorithm based on everything that you do using that vpn so if they ever get a subpoena from the us they will give that information to the subpoena whoever subpoenaed them and basically it was like you never used a vpn to begin with so a lot of these you know situations that are going to come up it's going they're driving Bitcoin prohibition into a mainstream place where it cannot be stopped, similar to cannabis. They tried to drive the prohibition so hard that it actually boomed into a mainstream economy. And it's going to happen. But unfortunately, I don't think that we're going to see a lot of people moving back to the U.S. if and when the U.S. changes their stance and their opinion on this. Right. Well, let, this is my thing. I think the U.S. will change its stance when they see all the money flying away from this country. But by then, it's going to be like they already moved to Singapore or Monaco or wherever. Why am I going to, you know, I already learned the language or already right. got all the paperwork filled out. Am I going to come back to the U.S.? You know, well, you know, and if they are going to come back to the U.S., the U.S. government's going to have to pay out their nose to get them to. You know, well, what I we're mean, seeing is with this one world currency, we will see a, a, a force that will from it will probably grow from the united nations but we're seeing a force for uh, for a, a world governance right where we'll have to see more of a, a, a world organized government rather than separate governments because the internet doesn't abide by any of their regulations or any of their laws once you're on the internet you are now in this place of lawlessness where you could be on you know an intranet if you still fuck with AOL or maybe you're limited by your browser because Chrome says you can't go to this but you get a Tor browser you get a VPN you get this and that and now you're in you're almost like wearing an invisibility cloak in real life where you can just walk into the store and steal something and these laws and these regulations don't abide to people that you know that really know how to use the technology and the internet in a way that you know you don't have to follow certain regulations so you're gonna have to see more self-regulation more of these like uh if you wanted to do uh whatever on an exchange you want to trade bitcoin you use a vpn well that exchange is allowing you in well it would be up to the exchange now to self-regulate and say no you're in this area even with the vp if you're using a vpn we can't do business with you this that's self-regulation they have to choose to do these things and I don't know. I see the power falling from the hands of, you know, the guys up top and right back into the power of us, the people. We, there's there's more of us than there are of them. That whole anonymous march and all these like protests, uh, one digital protest is all it will take. And that's where I see Bitcoin. It's a digital protest. Here's something I thought of a while back is someone anonymous like a, another Satoshi Nakamoto needs to make a decentralized exchange that you download onto your computer that's not a website and would function as a blockchain type thing that has mining and all that type of stuff and be able to swap tokens and coins. I've said this and so many times, bro. I, I agree 100%. Someone needs to do that. It will happen. It will happen. It will. And then, and then what are they going to, you know, and then all the legit exchanges are going to just go out of business yeah they're going to be the the fiat bankers of the new era because we're, we're seeing these centralized exchanges you know like um poloniex you know they were bought up by goldman sachs and the developers didn't really like that they left a lot of them left and as we see more of these exchanges get bought by banks or sell out and become what they weren't intended to be, we have now unified these developers with one common goal, similar to the Satoshi Nakamoto team. They had one common goal. And now we're going to see that happen where we'll see the white paper for a decentralized exchange come out. I believe within the next two years, by the next happening, we'll, by the next, not this happening, the next happening, so five years, we will have a pure decentralized exchange that does run similar to Bitcoin. Yeah, and then, and then 
there's not going to be any KYC, you know, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's just what's going to happen. You know, I mean, I still think there's going to be areas where the government's going to be able to set, you know, kind of get you like, um, I IP don't know, address like maybe IP a, signatures. Yeah. Yeah. Although a good VPN would get, keep that. I'm more thinking of like, you want to buy, you want to buy something with Bitcoin, like from Amazon. Now they're going to say, oh, you sent that Bitcoin to Amazon type thing and they're going to charge a tax on it. That kind of. Right. That, that's I don't you know, I don't see a way I don't see that going away. There could be know. a way around that. I mean, you know, uh, depending on which wallet you use and uh, how you go about it, it could you could anonymously buy yourself a gift. So you didn't buy the refrigerator. Somebody bought it for you and it just showed up to your front door. You know, it's there. It, there are ways today even I could think of around that. But it, it's your it's all breaking laws that shouldn't even fucking exist. Yeah. No, I'm very libertarian in my ideal. I, you know, I consider myself a minarchist. I think there should be, there has to be something just so like, if you murder someone, you go to jail. <laughs> you know, well, that's I mean, what the trial of your peers is supposed to be. You kill somebody, 12 people are going to be like, well, did he try to kill you? What was the situation? Like they try to hear it out and they're like guilty or innocent, you know, like, t- we just find a way to take out some of the biasness of that, and I think we'll be in good shape. And I think it comes to uh, having an anonymous uh, uh, person in court, right? Like when you're in court, you're an anonymous, uh, you know, uh, person. You don't, they don't need to know that you're a white guy with glasses and a beard, right? They don't need to know that you're a libertarian or a Christian or Muslim. They, they just need to know the crime that was committed and everything around that. And a lot of the problem we see with the, the trial by peers is biasness, right? You see a lot of racism, a lot of uh, prejudice, and that goes into guilty or not guilty, even though the situation may have been different if it was a different person being represented. Yeah, that's hard because part of like choosing guilt is you have to almost decide, did this person have a motive, you know, to kill this person? You know, like you do have, you do have things where I go, how would you completely make it anonymous? you know, for that sort of scenario. Um, just cause you do have to say, well, well were they guilty? You know, I mean, were they, did they want to kill the person? Did they- so, so this leads to an interesting question now, do we have AI in charge of things like this or do we keep human intervention involved? Where do we let go of the reins and let, you know, the AI of, you know, Jesus take the wheel? Personally, Personally, I I think for some I think for a lot of things where we should not let AI take the wheel because it's garbage in garbage out facts. You know, I I remember driving for a for Coca-Cola. I drove a semi truck for them delivering Coke a few years back. And the problem was they weren't keeping their addresses, their phone numbers or information updated. So they would send me to places that closed down and moved shop halfway across town. You know, the software was good, but their data wasn't. So I think about AI and I mean, I know that, like it's only going to be as good as the data we put into it. Yeah, garbage in, garbage out is a real problem. And that's where I think we'll see the IoT uh, economy really boom when we start to see these Internet of Things, these devices really proof check and verify you know with timestamps and public ledgers the things that have or haven't occurred things to do with like gps on your smart device or x y and z depending who knows what we'll have in the future as far as like wearables have provided we've just started barely tickling this the the smart watch and the smart glasses and these wearables but you know the more we have these internet of things on us a part of us with our daily lives I think that would play a lot into the garbage in, garbage out, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. I was or wasn't at this location when something happened. Well, verifiably, your phone says that you were. You even unlocked your phone with your thumbprint, so we know that you unlocked the phone in this location. So it depends on where you see Big Brother going too far and where the IoT has its limits. But, yeah, I mean, we're moving in towards a world where reality itself is a game. I feel like every day I wake up, I'm, I'm a sim playing a fucking scripted video game with these borders and I'm just I'm looking for real world glitches 
And when I came across Bitcoin, I thought I found the best glitch in reality. You know, like it, it just tickled me. I wanted to play with it. I wanted to break it. And the more people that this comes across their plate with their individual perspectives, we're going to see things evolve, you know, exponentially with that S curve pattern where uh, a very short amount of time, we're going to see technology jump. And we've seen it go from the ham radio to fucking color TV in no time. And we're, we're going to see that happen exponentially, man. So I guess to wrap things up, let everybody know one more time uh, who you are, who you're with, and where to find you. Okay. So I'm Jared. Um, I'm the social media community manager for Silicon Nexus. We're, we're going to make the uh, Oasis from Ready Player One in the long run. Meantime, we're making a marketplace for your NFTs. And gonna, you're going to be able to buy, trade, sell, and get them from arcades. Um, learn more. Go to fund, F-U-N-D, like funding, fund.siliconexus.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, all those things, Siliconexus, S-I-L-I-C-A-N-E-X-U-S. All right, guys, check it out. And let me know what you guys think in the chat about, you know, where this uh, gaming ecosystem really plays a role for you. Because I want to see like where your perspective takes this, right? This was ours. I want to see what individuals think of this, right? So in the comments below, just drop your thoughts, what you think of where blockchain gaming and uh, you know traditional gaming and just where the world can go moving forward with these technologies. Because again, nobody saw Netflix, nobody saw Facebook, nobody saw Bitcoin coming. What is it that we are not seeing coming, guys? Because it's 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 all up to you and your perspective, your imagination. So uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks, Jared. I appreciate your time. And shout out to the team over there. Everybody have a day. See you guys. Bye.